Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. What's going on, everybody? Justin Morgenstein back with you here for my first Phillies today of 2024. Hope everybody had a terrific New Year and holiday season. Well, it's another week that the Phillies don't make a move of any kind, uh, but there's been a couple signings and a couple trades. Within the division, specifically Chris Sale going to the Braves, Harrison Bader heading to the Mets yesterday. We will get to both those things there. Uh, Also in this pod, wanted to touch on some more rumors that have been floating around regarding this baseball team and a potential upgrade within the starting rotation. Uh, Plus, wanted to touch on some Hall of Fame stuff as well as we check in on where some of the former Phils are on the ballot right now and uh, who I personally think should get in as well. That announcement coming on January 24th to see who gets in the Hall of Fame this year and who will be enshrined in Cooperstown. So we will touch on all of that stuff there. So let's get it going. And uh, we'll talk about Chris Sale heading to the Braves first. Uh, The Braves, to recap this, traded shortstop Vaughn Grissom to the Red Sox for Chris Sale and some money relief in return. Uh, The Braves then yesterday... Gave Sale a two-year extension on his contract worth $38 million with a club option in 2026 as well. Uh, This is a move that, you know, would scare me if I had any confidence in Chris Sale being healthy for a full season, which, breaking news, I do not. Uh, I'm aware that some of his injuries have been fluky at times where, you know, he got hit by the line drive. I think it was Aaron Hicks uh, in the finger. And then he literally got in a biking accident in the same season, broke his wrist, I believe, and missed some time as well. Uh, But he's had injury problems elsewhere that would still concern me if I'm the Braves organization. Like the elbow problems he's had, which led to Tommy John surgery, and he spent the entire COVID season and much of 2021 recovering from that. Uh, He had the stress reaction in his scapula and his shoulder uh, that he dealt with for pretty much all of last season and uh, is another one of those injuries, especially for a pitcher, that could potentially linger as your career goes on, especially. But they see the upside, of course, and it's somebody who has pitched in a lot of big postseason games. We know the run he went on in 2018. He closed out the World Series against the Dodgers. And uh, the lack of pitching depth for the Braves uh, is kind of what bit them against the Phils last year. And when you have to throw Bryce Bryce Elder on the mound uh, against Aaron Nolan Game 3, you saw what happened. And that homer to Bryce Harper... Hit off Elder, uh, I think it's still flying there to right field. Man, that was crushed. And uh, uh, good memories. But 
That's what happened in 2022 as well. And once Morton got knocked out of that game in game four, uh, when he gets a hit with the elbow in the line drive and uh, has to come out of the game, their pitching depth was severely tested. And it was, uh, you know, not effective against this Phillies lineup. And now adding Chris Sale, you add a little depth to that rotation, add a little depth to the staff as a whole. Uh, So it's just all about if he can get to the end of the season uh, with Chris Sale, just don't know with that injury history if he can last a full year in Atlanta there. But in terms of them losing Grissom, uh, it's somewhat of a nice feeling as a Phillies fan, at least, to know the Braves don't have to hit on every single somewhat highly rated prospect that comes up for them. And with Arcia having as good of a year as he did last year, turned out to be an all-star, uh, He, I guess Grissom was somewhat expendable there. So Arcia will be back as the starting shortstop for the Braves next year. Uh, with Grissom gone. Grissom was an 11th round pick, but the stint he had up in 2022 with the Braves was really impressive. And I thought he had a chance to become their everyday shortstop last season. Uh, But the stint he had last year in 2023 did not go as well. And his Braves career will end with that strikeout in game four against Matt Strom there. So we will always have that to remember Vaughn Grissom's career by in Atlanta here. So uh, I was a little bit relieved though that they didn't get one of the bigger starting pitching fish in the trade market that we've talked about here for the Phils as well between Dylan Cease and Corbin Burns. I felt the Braves definitely had, or maybe still have, a pretty strong desire to go after rotational help. But uh, for someone who has you know, more high-end potential than Chris Sale, like I thought Dylan Cease was kind of a guy I've written all over for them. I thought he made sense for them especially given the fact they usually like players that are under control for multiple years uh, before they can give them that typical low-ball Braves extension. Like, how nuts is it if you think about it here? Chris Sale is making $17 million next year, which is literally the same as Ronald Acuna, who's the reigning league MVP, who has already gotten his contract extension with the Braves. And meanwhile, Ozzie Albies, who's one of the better second basemen in baseball, is sitting there making $7 million to you know, be an all-star for them. So, again, I don't know what general manager Alex Anthropoulos does to these guys and their agents to get them to sign some of these contracts, but those are my thoughts on sale. And uh, it all comes down to health with this guy, and there's just no way you could trust him to stay healthy at this point in his career. And all the wear and tear his body has taken, you know, over time here. So that is where I'm at with the sale move with the Braves. The other NL East move that went down yesterday was Harrison Bader signing with the New York Mets on a one-year, $10 million deal. This is another move that, frankly, doesn't cause too much concern with me here. But I will say he's a very talented and pesky defender, I guess you could say. He's had, uh, He had nine outs above average last season, which puts him in the 95th percentile for outfielders in baseball. 91st percentile in arm strength, 82nd percentile in arm value. Uh, right-handed bat that hits lefties pretty well. He hit 299 with a 936 OPS against lefties last year. Uh, but I expect him to be the everyday center fielder for the Mets. I've seen a lot of people who cover the team and are around the Mets that have been saying Nimmo will probably make the move to left. And when I looked at Nimmo's defensive metrics, they were actually worse, like significantly worse than I thought. It turns out he's a pretty average to below average defender out there in center field despite having some good speed and, you know, also... I had to throw it in there, possibly being one of the biggest nerds in baseball. I, I just, you know, I can't stand the guy. Just 
just walk to first base. Don't run. Don't run after a walk. Walk for one time. Just you look like a moron. Stop it. But anyway, uh, yeah, I expected the I expected Mets outfield to be set up with Bader in center, Nimmo in left, and Starling Marte in right, which again really isn't an overly talented outfield at either end of the scorecard here. So maybe they try to bring on another left-handed bat to platoon sometimes. I know they still have the uh, DJ Stewart guy who randomly started tearing it up for the Mets at the end of the year last year, and he'll be back with them next year. But I expect him to be more of a DH option for them, and uh, he had some good pop there. But don't expect him to be as good and break out as much as he did last year when the Mets were struggling and were out of the playoff picture. So uh, those are my thoughts on the two moves. And, you know, I want to get back to – our baseball team for a little bit. Get back to the fills here. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It would be a lead story on this podcast here if Dave Dabrowski showed any signs of life. But there's just absolutely nothing happening right now. But there was a rumor that popped up a few days ago that I want to get into that you know, we've talked about over the last couple of weeks here on this pod uh, and that I want to bring up again. The Phillies, as we know, were at least somewhat in play for Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who ended up signing the $325 million deal with the Dodgers. And by the way, I just had to mention the, the one clause in Yamamoto's contract and all the details you know, came out over the last week or so. Uh, all the clauses in there are kind of insane. And the one just absolutely blew my mind that his opt-out is basically based on, or at least one of them is, getting Tommy John surgery. And like they didn't actually come out and say it on the contract. The contract says if he misses at least 134 days of the season with an injury to his throwing elbow, his right elbow, his opt-out moves to the eighth year of the deal, and the deal is 13 years in total. It moves to the eighth year of the deal. But if he doesn't get surgery, then he gets an opt-out after six years. Like, the Dodgers are just doing some absurd things with these contracts this offseason. Some of the... You know, obviously deferrals when it comes to Otani's contract and some of the opt uh, opt out clauses and just uh, different sort of you know clauses within the Yamamoto contract are also a little wild. But you know, anyway, the Phils had interest in Yamamoto according to Jeff Posson, uh before they offered him a apparently a three hundred million plus dollar contract, which to be honest gets me very excited because to me or at least in my opinion, it indicates that they're serious about upgrading this rotation uh, and continuing to improve the ball club in that uh, scenario. So as currently constructed, I think the Phillies have potentially the best starting rotation in baseball. It's right up there with the Dodgers, right up there with the Braves. But they have a chance to have the undisputed best and a truly special group of starters if you go after one of Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery here. With the way the market is shaping up, it really feels like they'll have a chance to make a serious play for at least one of these guys. And I think either has a chance to make a pretty special impact for the staff. I've talked about how I have my doubts about Snell maintaining his dominance right now, considering you know the lack of innings he throws and the control issues. Uh, he was in the fourth percentile in uh, walk rate last year in the league, which scares the hell out of me. But my concerns with Snell more came as an Aaron Nola replacement. Uh, rather than an add-on to the current rotation. So adding him to this rotation with Wheeler, with Nola, with Ranger Suarez, like you can have one of the most dominant rotations in baseball that you know we've seen in the last decade or so. So uh, 
there's no doubt in my mind that he could be an incredible third starter for this team. And instantly, this rotation would become an incredibly legitimate World Series contender. So, as of now, I'm thinking he probably gets, let's say, a five-year deal worth somewhere in the twenty or $120 million area. So, that'd be around a $24 million average annual value for a guy with two Cy Youngs to his name and is coming off an incredible season in which he, he won one of them and uh, would slide in as your number three starter there. And this scenario just keeps making me think of the Castellanos deal because it feels eerily similar in terms of being a guy that comes off a career year. Like Nick hit 300 uh, in the, what I guess that was, the, yeah, 2021 season, uh, had 30 bombs, 100 RBIs, was getting freaking MVP boats and was unsigned until March. Uh, if Snell is there late in the offseason, if it, we're getting close to spring training and Blake Snell is still out in the market, I feel extremely confident that Dave Dombrowski is going to keep tabs on that. So uh, I think they'll at least be in the mix for Blake Snell. And if he can get in on a guy, that's Dave Dombrowski, with the track record that Blake Snell has, with the success he's had, uh, he's pitched in postseasons before, I would be genuinely very surprised if they didn't at least check in on the situation and monitor him and potentially make a play for him. So we'll see what happens there with Blake Snell and if there's any traction with the Phils as the offseason rolls along here. Um, so I haven't really mentioned Montgomery a lot on this podcast before the Jeff Passan uh, article came out this week that said the Phillies, quote, never really planned to pivot to Snell or Montgomery, but are both nimble enough to seize an opportunity that the markets provide, unquote. And by pivot, he means uh, the Phillies falling short on Yamamoto uh, a couple weeks ago. This doesn't totally suggest that the Phillies have been linked to Jordan Montgomery or have been talking to Jordan Montgomery at all. But I think it's just that Passon is suggesting that the team has the means to do so. And these guys could potentially want to play for a contender in a year where they might not get uh, maybe the value they're looking for in the contract. Uh, but they could continue to improve their own value here by playing for a team that could make a World Series run. So maybe they choose to sign a creative-type deal with player opt-outs or incentives, something of that nature, to where you know they can prove their worth and continue to you know potentially find a new contract within the uh, you know next couple of years, but at the same time have something that at least secures them in the short to intermediate term where maybe they sign a five-year contract and they have opt-outs after the second or the third year uh, that are player-based and not club-based. So my overall thought on Montgomery is that I like him uh, because I still feel it's a pretty significant upgrade to the rotation. And if you listen to this program, you know know my thoughts on Taiwan Walker pitching for this team in 24. Uh, To me, it's not ideal. Like, I think this contract turned out to be one that the Phillies would probably want to take back with paying him four years, $72 million. Uh, he's, this Jordan Montgomery, this is, he's very different than Snell in terms of the strikeout and the walk rate. Uh, Montgomery's pretty much the opposite with him being 48th percentile in walk percentage in baseball, but being you know, pretty middle of the road in terms of chase rate and whiff rate. But for what his role would be in this starting rotation, it's probably a better, more sensical fit for this team, honestly, just based on the contract he'd get, he's probably looking at a little less than Snell. Let's say something around five years, 100, 
uh, something like that, that gives them around $20 million a year. He was really good for that Ranger team that went on to win it all last year. And if it allows, if it allows this team to continue to make improvements, like adding another bullpen piece, adding an outfield bat, something like that, I'd be very in for Montgomery as a Philadelphia Philly here. So my memories of Montgomery are mostly of him pitching pretty well against the Phillies in that second wildcard game in 2022, which you know, Aaron Nola was incredible that night. But he proved, uh, Jordan Montgomery, that is, that he's a pretty big-time pitcher, or pretty big game pitcher. And we brought Bader up before, but I got to tell you, I bet you the Yankees would not have done that Bader for Montgomery deal straight up uh, a couple years ago if they could go back. Uh, even though I know Bader pretty much won them that series in Cleveland in 2022 uh, in the division series, but yeah, whatever. Montgomery's gone on to do really good things with the Cardinals, with the Rangers, so there's a reason why he's looking uh, at about $100 million plus this offseason. So to wrap that up, for the 10th week in a row just about, Dave Dombrowski, please go upgrade this rotation and let's, let's field a World Series contender here. So that is where I'm at with the free agent rumors right now, and pretty much I think it's those two guys are the big fish for the Phils to go after right now. But uh, moving on a little here, wanted to get into some of this Baseball Hall of Fame stuff. So the ballots are continuing to trickle in. Uh, as we approach the final announcement of the 2024 class that is going to Cooperstown, which is a little less than a month away, the announcement coming on January 24th. Uh, There are four notable fills on the ballot in Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Billy Wagner, and Bobby Abreu. So far, the public voting has gone as follows. Chase Utley is on 42% of the ballots on his first year on there. Uh, J-Roll is 13%. Billy Wagner has 79.8%, which would get him in as of right now. Remember, the threshold is 75% of the votes you need to get in. And uh, Bobby Abreu is also there with 19.3%. So I'm assuming Wags gets in. And I will say the ballot counting isn't always accurate, which, again, it's proven not to be sometimes. There have been guys who, uh, before the Hall of Fame announcement has come out, there have been guys who, on the release ballots, have gotten 75%, and it turns out that once the official voting came in that it was not the case. But I'm assuming that it's accurate, and Billy Wagner is going to get in, which I think is uh, the right decision. He was a very good closer for a long period of time, and uh, a lot of these closers I've been getting in over recent years, and I would not be shocked to see Wags get in this year so. Uh, assuming that Billy Wagner gets in as he is over the 75% threshold. Uh, I think out of all these guys that Utley is probably the only other one who eventually gets into Cooperstown. His 42% so far in his first year of the ballot is actually a pretty ideal start for him. And I think that as time goes on, people will come to gain a really big appreciation for Chase Utley's five-ish, five to six-year-ish peak. Uh, I know there's a new stat, it's called Jaws, that kind of uh, calculates how good a guy's peak was, and that's kind of been used as something that can measure how guys get, or is a new number to measure whether guys are Hall of Fame worthy or not, and you know he meets the, I guess, the standard of that new statistic that many people are talking about, but... Uh, He doesn't have the longevity that people tend to look for in your typical Hall of Famer. But the bottom line is that he was the best second baseman in the sport 
for at least a half decade and maybe a top three player in the sport during that span as well. So I would have Chase Utley in based on his peak numbers and where he ranks statistically among second basemen of his era, both hitting and defensively as well. Uh, in terms of Jimmy, I think the 13% speaks for itself, but I'd probably say he's just on the outside looking in because of his career averages, just not really supporting his case at all, along with the advanced metrics as well. He had a 95 career OPS plus, which is below league average, paired with a 743 OPS. And there, I know there are only three guys currently in the hall with OPS pluses under 100. And look, I love Jimmy. He was the emotional leader for this Phillies team. He won an MVP. He has gold gloves, all typically things you look for in a Hall of Famer. But I think he falls just short because of some of the more advanced numbers along with the lack of the extended peak during his career. So Jimmy, great guy, was a Hall of Fame talent here in Philadelphia. Like He'll be remembered as one of the legends of those great Phillies teams for years to come. But I just don't see a way in which Jimmy gets into the Hall of Fame, especially given the 13% that he's gotten so far, being a little low. He'll stay on the ballot because I believe you need over 5% to stay on the ballot for uh, the next year. But I don't think he ends up getting into the Hall eventually just because you know of the things I just mentioned there. But the last one is Bobby Abreu. And he is a pretty interesting case, actually. Uh, so we mentioned that he is currently sitting at 19.3%. In his 18-year career, his slash line was 291 average, 395 on-base percentage with a 475 slug, 288 home runs, 400 steals, which pretty impressive, by the way. I don't even think I realized that. Uh, In just over 2,000 career games. The best number I think he has going for him, which I talked about that on-base percentage too, 1,476 walks, which is good for 20th all-time in Major League Baseball. So he took over 100 walks in eight straight seasons. Uh, In addition, he had an on-base percentage above 400 in nine seasons as well. Uh, He isn't in the 500 home run club. He isn't in the 3,000 hit club, but he sustained a long peak in his career. And despite being only a two-time All-Star, one-time Silver Slugger winner, he had a really good Major League Baseball career. Uh, so, yeah, that's where I'm kind of at with Abreu. I think he's an interesting case. He may not get in, but he is one of those guys that maybe was a little underappreciated and uh, didn't maybe come up in the right time in baseball and would be a much more you know, sought-after player now and would be much more appreciated in the modern game of baseball, especially with how much he got on base during his career. So with how the percentages are shaking out right now, I would have Wags getting in this year based on what we know. And then I think Chase, while probably not this year, eventually gets in because of the amount of votes he's getting for it being his first year on the ballot uh, to go to Cooperstown. So uh, with that, that is going to wrap up this week's edition of Phillies Today. Dave Dabrowski, come on, man. We just got to make something happen. Give me a move to talk about on this podcast for once. Uh, Would really just appreciate it. And I'm dying to talk about something here. Like, the Eagles are struggling. Uh, I am all in on the Sixers and the Flyers, by the way, even though the Flyers are you know, struggling a little bit themselves right now. But I want a Phil's move to talk about so badly. Like, just give us something, Dave. Give us something. And for the 10th show in a row, I'm dying here. I'm just trying to muster up some sort of rumor just to 
even get the conversation going. But, Dave, make a move. We'll be there no matter what. Please. (laughs) Again, we're dying here. This has been Justin Morgenstein for Phillies 24-7 and another episode of Phillies Today. And, uh, yeah, have a good one and uh, have a great new year. And uh, we'll talk next week. Have a great Friday. See you. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.